This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. You're listening to Above Grade, where each week we discuss the construction landscape in central Ohio. I'm your host, Bryce Jacob, with J.S. Brown and Company, and I'm here with Greg Hansberry, our producer. We're both here for your edutaining value. Hey, hey, what's up, Bryce? I'm good. I'm real good. How was your week? It was great. You know, uh, I have ramping up towards Valentine's Day, so I've been kind of relearning some of those words you've taught me. Yeah, well, the, that's good. Well, year. don't let yeah. it die on the vine now. You use those words. Yeah. Keep things going. Sure. I mean, I we'll go over some new words today. Okay, great. Uh, that will probably put a spark in perfect in, in yeah. things. Get you into Valentine's right, Day yeah. and beyond. See, yeah, it's just the little things that really put yeah. it over. You know, dinner and flowers just doesn't cut it anymore. No, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't. You need you need construction terminology to right, really turn right, up the yeah, heat. Exactly. So yeah, it makes total sense. I get it. It's it's happened in my life. So uh, really I'm impressive. curious. What, what do you do? You celebrate? Valentine's Day. You, is this well, a, you know, what, do you, what do you guys do? I uh, hate to say we're the typical like ever since the kids come around, not really kind of <laughs> couple. You know, yeah. uh, and that's the case. It just is. Um, it was just my wife's birthday. Yeah. So, what's her, you know, yeah. What's it, her birthday? Uh, the twenty sixth of January. Oh, so okay. you know, and so it's just a matter of you know, by the time you get a babysitter and dinner reservations, really all we want to do is just really go to bed early. So uh, we, we kind of we don't really <laughs> well, don't do what much. Valentine's Day is all about. Well, you know, in the in the actually trying to get sleep oh, uh, version of right. that, we're going to do a dinner with the entire family. We'll probably order like a heart shaped pizza from Domino's or oh. whatever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, we and then uh, you know wow. maybe maybe during the evening I'll whisper some uh, construction terminology to her. <laughs> Make sure you don't. Yeah, don't fall asleep before you do that. That, that would be a bad idea. You know, um, I'm kind of stuck in a in a pickle because I have. My wife's birthday is February 6th. Okay, so that's and even then, closer, yeah. And then, then there's Valentine's Day. And then my daughter is February 18th. So it's just like... Boom, boom, it's, boom. It's a, it's a financial vortex exactly. right there of yeah. things that you're supposed to be doing for people. And I have three daughters. So the other two just luck out because of Valentine's Day in the middle of all of it, where I had to get them flowers and chocolates and, you know, the whole sure. nine yeah, yards yeah, and yeah. all that great stuff. Well, last year, I don't know if you remember this, but last year I went on a cruise, like right after my wife's birthday okay. on the 10th. So right. just four days after her birthday. And then I, or what was it? The 9th. I got, it, I was there over Valentine's Day and I got back on the 16th right okay. before my daughter's birthday. All right. So, and I didn't go with them. So I you went had with to my make best it up friend. to them. <laughs> yeah, I went with one of my buddies on a cruise <laughs> and went to Mexico. So, man, oh, man, uh, was I in the doghouse uh, missing Valentine's Day last year while I was on so a cruise and they were all So you double have to make it up this year. Yeah, I better, I, better, uh, I better really start dialing it up. So, yeah, good old Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Valentine's Day, one of the uh, guests that we have on the show today is one of my favorite people. And not always, but, but has been... Lately. What, what would, has it to do with Valentine's Day? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm the guest today, actually. I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm glad to be here. I was excited when I asked myself to be on the show. And uh, I Any conflicts without of, hesitation. Uh, you know, no, no conflicts or anything you had to reschedule? No. Okay, you know, well, I had, to, I had to make some arrangements to make sure I could be on the show <laughs> with myself. And uh, here, here we are. Perfect. I can't so, wait. Yeah. I can't wait. So, well, what we're doing, you know, this is a this is a, a special show to me um, because this is something I actually love. This is a topic that I speak about. I teach. I've been teaching eleven years on the subject matter 
in the world of construction mm -hmm. and design. And it's pretty near and dear to my heart and it's universal design. And I'm excited because I've actually never heard the term. So you'll yeah. actually uh, teach me well, some it's a universal term. Right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, it has geez. nothing to do with like uh, Universal Studios, right? That's what I'm thinking. No, it Jaws. doesn't. It, no, nothing like that. It's not quite that fun right. or um, uh, heart wrenching. Um, but this is this actually has to do with design in the home, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the definition just so you all right. and all the listeners hear what Universal Design is. Memorize this to to swoon my wife on Valentine's Day. You, okay. I don't know that this will swoon her, but oh. maybe some of the attributes Ooh, of Universal okay, Design okay. will. But right. the term, if you know. I think if you show her the attributes and then you demonstrate that you know the definition, Ooh. it's the killer. Yes. Yeah, it'd be killer. Okay. okay. So what universal design is kind of in a nutshell, it's a, it's a worldwide movement and it's based on the idea that all residential environments and their products should be easily used and accessed by all members of the family, regardless of their age, their size, or any of their physical abilities or disabilities throughout their lifespan. That so, makes sense. So, yeah, so essentially I'm going to break it down real quick. It's a worldwide movement. This isn't something that, you know, we just came up with here in central Ohio and said, hey, let's try a new design technique, try to, you know, uh, uh, come up with something creative here. It's a worldwide movement and a movement isn't just an idea. It's a movement, meaning that um, it makes total sense that homes are all designed this way because of the practicality and how they're they're done. So it's a movement and it started over in uh, overseas in Holland in those areas where, uh, universal design was more prevalent because of multi-generational housing and living. Mm. And so it generated different reasons to design spaces to accommodate a wider range of, of users of the home. So that's why it says it's, uh, some people think universal design, oh yeah, that's wheelchair accessibility. This is wheelchair ramps and grab bars. But and it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that aspect uh, is a very small portion of it, which could be handicap design or disabled design or even aging in place is another term that sometimes people throw sure. around. All those things fall into universal design, but they're not what universal design is. Well, Makes already, sense? like I say, we, I mentioned the little kids, uh, right. pets, which pets fall into this even? Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's for how we live in our homes. And so all members of the family, which a pet is a, definitely mm -hmm, a member of the family, sure. right? Yeah. So um, in regards to their age, that's a really important part. So when I teach this class, a lot of people already have a feeling that the age is senior citizen. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that might be some of the low hanging fruit of people that can benefit from accessible design and some of the things we're doing. But it's also for a child or for someone who's just a young adult, mm -hmm. newlyweds, uh, a, a, a single family. mother who's yes. got uh, babies Handful. on her hip. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, thanks. You're picking up on this all really right. quick. Okay, yes. Their size, you know, sure. we've got heights, we've got weights, we've got all kinds of differences in the human body that play into the factor of how we design space. And then of course, people's physical abilities mm -hmm. and or their disabilities that they could have. And sometimes there are temporary disabilities that we have. Car accident, sports injury, whatever it might be. You know, I have so many stories I tell during the class of, you know, things that have happened to me because I played soccer for 20 years. And in that period of time, I was not injury free. And so fortunately, all injuries were temporary, right. but I had to to access space to differently. Sure. I had to adapt to my environment. And we all go through that at some point. And this is throughout their, the span of life. So that's what's exciting about universal design is it's a broader way of thinking about design and it should be part of every design that we think about. So we're going to do at least a two-part series on this. We'll see how this shapes up after we get through this one. And we're going to talk more about kitchens today. And then next week, I'd like to chat about bathrooms because there's some really cool things you can do in bathrooms. 
And then we'll see how you and I are feeling. If you want to keep going, just say more, more, more. <laughs> okay. And we'll do another show where we talk about maybe the the wide landscape of the home from the front curb coming into the house out to the back lot, you know, fence line. So okay. everything in between. Well, cool. And yeah. what we need to think about with design because it's all encompassing. So what got me into this, this is kind of... Um, I, you 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 might know my background a little bit, or I've talked about it maybe vaguely, but I used to operate retirement homes. In now uh, North Carolina, in, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. In yeah. North Carolina. I did here in Columbus first, and then I went to North Carolina and did it, moved down there. And, um, you know, so I, I did a lot of senior living, and I was, you know, taking care of senior citizens who were living in our assisted living communities. And one of the things that I found that was pretty amazing is that most of the residents that moved into our communities weren't there because they wanted to be. They were there because someone made the decision that they should be. Mm-hmm. And it was either because their home wasn't able to accommodate their sure. physical needs anymore. So there might be a flight of stairs. Uh, there might be a tub that's hard to get over the edge of the tub. Right. And, you know, there's a concern of tripping and falling or not getting able to get out of the tub. Right. And so there are all kinds of risks associated with people staying in their home because of the way their homes were designed. But our communities were were special in a lot of ways, but because they had services available to, to these residents, so dining, dietary, uh, social activities, the things that, you know, help mm-hmm. you, you get stimulated. And, right. And sometimes medication administration, all those different things. But the units that our residents lived in were very achievable in a residential setting as well. So... There are, yeah, you don't think there. It's not always just medical beds, or hospital bed type of scenarios, right? right? Yeah, they're sleeping in a normal, mm-hmm. right, normal yeah, bed, yeah. full size queen king, whatever it was. They had a normal bed with a normal mattress height. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a you know posturpedic or anything goofy right. like that. And um, sometimes it was a twin size bed too. It was whatever worked in that environment sure. they were in. But the differences were there were wider doors. They had uh, accessible bathrooms, the kitchen areas that they had. There were just some well-thought-out designs in there, so they were more accessible. And while these environments were uh, well-designed, maybe they didn't have the appointments like we like to see in our private residence. So they looked maybe a little bit more institutional, and that's why people don't mm-hmm. gravitate to it. So what we're able to do in the home is is do these types of designs, but introduce the style that people want. Gotcha. They want it to look nice and they want it to look. They don't want it to look like a hospital. Today. They yeah. don't want it to look institutional, right? And so sometimes folks have a tendency to kind of gravitate to, a, well, a, a, an attitude of, well, that, you know, I don't need handicapped living or I don't, I don't want an institutional environment. And my response is great. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that to you in the first place. So, you know, th- those are the types of things that we're looking at is how do we make that environment suitable for that family today, tomorrow, and well into the future. Well, anybody that's tried to walk up and down um, hardwood stairs with socks on knows that you need, a, you need a handrail no matter what age you are before yeah. you go falling down that thing. Yeah, I've seen some spills in our house. We have, you know, the, the hardwood treads uh, all the way up. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I've jetted down those things oh, a few yeah. times. So, so yeah, the, we the course I've been teaching, uh, it's been 11 years now, is through NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. And it's a, um, the, so there's the educational course, and then people will sit for an exam if they would like. It's a pretty difficult exam, and they get a certification. It's, it's called a UDCP, Universal Design Certified Professional. So it's a mouthful of alphabet uh, soup. Yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, it's been one of the hotter um, 
certifications that NARI offers nationally and has been for the last 10 years. So there's more and more people uh, that have, have gotten their certification for very good reasons. And is this for professionals only, or are there people out there who might um, benefit from, from the class uh, who are just interested or, or yeah. might have yeah. uh, <clears throat> be thinking about this kind of design for their family? Yeah. So yes. Okay. To both. Um, <laughs> yeah. mo- mostly, probably 95 out of 100 that I've had are industry professionals wanting to expand their knowledge sure. in the industry. Right. And the other percent sometimes are folks that have parents or, you know, that are living and they want to figure out what can I do or they just mm-hmm. want to be educated and sure. they've learned through NARI. There's a resource out there for them to learn. Um, and so I've had only a handful of those folks that just come in from the general public, so to speak, to take the course, but they decide if they want certification or not. Certification isn't going to do a lot for sure. you. There's cost associated with it. And then there's the annual upkeep and you have to have CEUs and do all that stuff. So it really wouldn't benefit a homeowner to do much more than just the educational track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could see and it it's still good um, for, sure. for them to do that. But kitchens are, are such an important area because it's where we prepare our meals, have our food. We take care of our dietary needs, et cetera. And, uh, if a kitchen is not well designed or accessible, that can be a detriment to the, the success of doing that. And so if you look at a family that is um, young family and they got kids, you know, I see what my kids do on a daily basis when they come home from school. It's mm-hmm. snack time. Yeah. You know, they, they, like, they don't go and they prepare the meal for the family. They're not there yet. I'm trying. <laughs> but they're not, not quite there. But they do like to come into the kitchen and they get a snack and they mm-hmm. help. They serve themselves and they have access to the you know, the freezer to get ice out of it and the refrigerator to get things. And we take that stuff for granted, but there are ways to design that. So it makes sense for those little users of, of the space. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about that and we look at how the space can evolve, I also look at it. My wife and I do a lot of the cooking and both of us do like to cook. We like to be in the kitchen together. So I'm taller than her by about, oh, eight inches. And so, um, you know, the countertop is, is a good height for me, but it might be a little too high for her or vice versa, you know? Sure. So knowing where that sweet spot is that if we're both using the same countertop, we would like that at a height that doesn't make, um, her have shoulder pain because her arms are hiked up too high doing sure, things sure, sure. or me have back pain because I'm leaning over right. like a vanity in a bathroom. So there's not necessarily a, um, a universal height, uh, requirement for an Island. just kind of whatever, whatever fits. The, fits yeah. There, you. there are some, Typical heights, okay. you know, 36 inch high countertop, 42 inch high bar, those types of things. But in some cases, if you've got a husband and wife and you got a guy that's six, six, mm-hmm. a 36 inch high countertop is going to give him back pain. Mm-hmm. So you would, you'd want to have a, a section if he's, if he or she is, is going to be preparing a meal or cooking or working in the kitchen regularly you may want a section of the countertop that has a bump up to it. Well, I just saw on your cheat sheet here, the multi-height countertops. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Uh, that sounds like, like that. And again, we, we've got the little kids and right now it's a struggle because they're dragging the, the chairs across the wood floor to, you know, get, get up and yeah. get on the counters and sit there. And, uh, that it's something to think about, maybe something a little bit lower that they could uh, get to easier. Yeah. And so that, that is actually something where if you have a table height section of an Island, Mm-hmm. where you can actually put a normal chair up to or 
heaven forbid you end up in a wheelchair or you have grandma come and she's in a wheelchair or just needs to be seated. Sure. Doesn't want to be up at a bar stool. Right. Right. You have a lower countertop area and then the kids can go make cookies with grandma and yeah. do those types of things. Yeah. So, so many times it involves really understanding how the family lives, not just the family in the house, but who visits. And there's a term in universal design called visitability. Mm. And visitability is meaning all the folks that would be visiting that environment that could be impacted by the design. So you're looking at things like, what is the entry of the house like? Can someone get through the doorway? If I've got a neighbor who's, who is disabled, that's the same age as I am, because he's been in a car accident and they come to my house, can they get through the doorway comfortably? Mm-hmm. You know, who are all the people that visit in your home and does that design accommodate all of the litany of needs that everybody has? And so th- you might say, yeah, everybody's just like me. And you might be relatively right. Or you might say, hmm, the more we think about this, when dad comes to visit, here are the challenges he always Mm -hmm. has. And here's the things that maybe we should think about. And you don't have to know all the answers. Sometimes you just tell the designer what's going on and they go, okay, that'll impact the way that we consider designing the space. Sure. So let's do a lower countertop area here. Let's make sure in this area there's more width because the two of you are always cooking and you can't determine who the sous chef is and who the head chef is. So you're always tripping over each other. So let's make sure we've got a little bit more clearance here for the two of you to pass comfortably or to have work zones. Maybe there's two sinks in the kitchen, one that's the main sink and the other one's a prep sink. And now we've, we've spread you out in the area so it's more conducive to how you live. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are all the things that you're looking at, just how the flow works to um, – do a wider servicing of the people that use, use the space. You know, I asked a couple once, I'll never forget it. It was the first time I ever asked the question, but there was a husband and wife and they were talking about how they do things in the kitchen and what they need. And I said, do you ever cook together? And they said, no, no. Oh my gosh, no, I'd kill him if he's in the kitchen. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I said, have you ever thought about wanting to cook together? Have you ever wanted to cook together? If the design would allow you to. And they just stopped and they said, actually, we always used to cook together and we loved it, but this does, our kitchen doesn't allow us to, so I don't want him in here anymore. (laughs) She's in my way. (laughs) Right. And so I said, if we could figure out a way to design it, that the two of you could use the space, would you want that? And they were just like, that would be great. You know, they said, is Mm -hmm. there really a way to do that? I said, well, sure. You know, let's explore it. I mean, that's, I, I care more about what the priority is for the family and where they're going versus what they're going through right now. Mm -hmm. They're about to embark on change. So let's make it the right change so we can improve the situation in the home. And that that's all through proper questioning and doing your due diligence. You can walk in and someone can say, my kitchen doesn't work. And you can look at the finish of it and say, gosh, yeah, not only that, it's out of date. And so let's get it up to date, but let's, you know, make design is only so small, a small portion of it and a shameless plug that's a benefit of going with the js brown because you get to work with those people who who know to ask those questions that we wouldn't us commenters wouldn't know to think about yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky i mean we've got a a really smart bunch of folks that get that and they work really hard to make sure that the the design accommodates the family you know there's there's a philosophy that i've had and and, and trained by for years is let's uh, solve not sell Mm-hmm. So let's uh, rule things in and rule things out. So every one of my clients I've ever worked with, if they're listening, they know I've, I've had this conversation with you where I'd rather have the conversations to, that might even sound wild to them where I say, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? 
and they go, oh my gosh, that's a crazy idea. I don't want them to judge me as a crazy designer. <laughs> as a nut. I want, right, as a <laughs> nut. I want them to go, okay, we know we're not doing that, so, but, but we've covered it. Yeah. And let's move on. And it doesn't hurt my feelings because sometimes I say something that seems off the wall and a client says, oh. I love it. How do we do that? Or yeah. how could we do that? That, that you actually hit on something that we would like to explore further. And I'd rather do that and have them rule it in than not have it to, for consideration at all because I thought it might be a little too kooky. Sure. And so when I'm out of there and they're living in the space, the worst thing that could ever happen is a homeowner says, I really wish we would have thought of doing this. Something different. Yeah. And that's a disaster at that point. So universal design is a really, what we're training people when we're, we're taking them through universal design, the course is we're really trying tr to train them to think deeper about design beyond just the, the obvious sure. that's right there, beyond the obvious that the client can tell you. Sometimes what they're telling you is what all they know. And if you ask a lot of questions and you pry, you pry into a little bit more of the personal side, you'd be amazed what comes out of that mm -hmm. and how impactful that is to design. And people gravitate to that. They find value in that. So there's some really cool things like uh, you have a refrigerator like everybody does. You have a French door refrigerator? Yep, we sure do. Open like yeah. this. Yeah. So you got yeah. The two yeah. doors. You know, that is really, um, that's considered a much more accessible refrigerator. Can you imagine why? Um, well, I, it's, I, I don't really know why accessible. I know I could fit more junk in it, Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know why, why would it be well, more accessible? Well, you think about your approach, your, your door size is cut in half, mm -hmm. literally. And so, and you have access from the right or left on mm, it. I and see. so when you're standing in front of a door and you open the doors, your swing is half the distance. So if you have somebody who's not as mobile, when you have a big door, and you're trying to open it and move around it. That can gotcha. be very awkward and uncomfortable. But in a good position and standing in front of a refrigerator, if you don't have an obstruction behind you, you can open the two doors and you're closer to the contents at that point. Mm -hmm, that makes so sense. They're, they are really accessible. And for kids, let's take it for kids. You know, a big door can be heavy too. They open the, the that small door. They, you can have the doors arranged there, uh, to have things that the kids use. Their little juice boxes mm, on right, the door, right, you know, right, all their yeah, stuff yeah. is right there. And so, it's helping people really think creatively about how do I support the kids having a level of independence to grab a snack from the fridge and have that be easy, where they're not having to climb up on a big chair and stand in front of the fridge and, and let drag the, penguins the chair in. across your, yeah. <laughs> your so, hardwood floor. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> And then the, the, a lot of the French door refrigerators have the freezer at the mm -hmm. bottom. And there's arguments I've heard both ways, which are good arguments. If I have a client who has lower back pain, I probably wouldn't want that design. To pin down. To and bend down right, and grab right, right. around in a freezer. I might want the door or the upper freezer, you know, depending on, on the situation. So sure. their appliances are designed in so many different ways to make it, it convenient. Well, and I see the raised dishwashers on your, I, I, I don't mm -hmm. even know what that is. I mean, obviously it sounds probably what it sounds like, a dishwasher that's higher. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah, uh, it's actually exactly that. Yeah, I mean, it's a refrigerator that, or a, a dishwasher rather that's raised up higher. So ergonomically, it's a normal dishwasher. Sure. But it's built upon a platform that's anywhere from seven to nine inches higher. So then like does a, it open like a microwave or it still opens like your traditional? Yeah. It opens like a like a dishwasher, but that bottom rack where all your heavy dishes and all that stuff, mm. it's raised up higher. So you're not bending over, picking up the heavy contents of, of the dishwasher I gotcha. at that point. So 
the the rate. So now what this does though, you raise a dishwasher, guess what raise it does to your, your countertops. Yeah, so it does in that area. So it's not wise to have it directly next to the sink if you're going to have a raised dishwasher because you'd have a obstruction sink, right yeah, to the left or right, right of yeah. your sink and you really you really need um you, you need a good 15 inches to the right or left of a sink. Uh, minimum, at least on one side. So you got to so, think that one out. Yeah, for you sure. got to think it through in the design. So you want your dishwasher to be, you know, within uh, 36 inches of your sink. So it's got to be pretty close. You can have it to the right or left. So a lot of a lot of kitchens they have a L shape or a U shape, mm-hmm. and you can have a raised dishwasher to the right or left in one of the U's and still be within the proper approach once the doors open and the racks are out to load it and unload it and, and do all that mm-hmm. good stuff. So, you know, again, someone who knows good kitchen design is going to be able to say where you can and can't use it. But a new development in, in uh, appliance technology has come along. It's been around for a while now, but dishwasher drawers are great because you can have them in a standard size dishwasher, you know, that's a 24-inch and it's the standard, you know, fits under a 36-inch high, you know, countertop. And those are great, but they're drawers as, as, as opposed to a door folding okay, down. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, Not like the racks that the drawers that come in and out of your old yeah. dishwasher, but I guess you. Right. Okay. So there's an actual drawer yeah. that you pull out. And the neat thing about these is you can you can run two cycles. Mm. So I, I had one for the longest time, and I loved my dishwasher drawers. They were just fantastic until it broke. And it was extremely expensive Oops. to repair or replace. That was the only problem with it. It just got cost prohibitive if anything happened to it. And that's why I got rid of mine when I did. But while I had it, absolutely loved it because I'd have the top being filled while the bottom was running. Then I'd empty the bottom and then I'd be loading and running the right, top. And yeah, you're yeah. just toggling back and forth efficiently. And, you know, my dishwasher is so large now with the way we use it. It's a couple days in between cycles. And it starts to stink, and I don't like the smell of a gross mm. dishwasher. So it never smelled, and ergonomically, it was really easy to get in yeah. and out of it. No, that's an interesting uh, because right now um, we're the opposite. We've got so many little cups, like yeah, we yeah, we have to wait for the stuff. thing to to wash while the sink is filling up. Uh, you're right, uh, but that could be something to to think about to be yep. a universal fit if you are only you know, a, a single person. Yeah, you're not gonna use that thing every day it's pretty cool well here's i'm gonna give the tip of the week if that's okay Ooh, yeah can i do that yeah i mean this has been chock full of tips but i'm so excited chock to full of tips, the, but there's a tip within the tips let's hear it it's time for the tip of the week if you're planning a remodel and believe this is the last home you're going to live in be sure to consult with a universal design expert so no stone is left unturned in planning a trained universal designer will know how to prepare your home for today tomorrow and well into the future so you don't get stuck remodeling again because of some unforeseen situation. And that is your tip of the week. Now let's get back to our guest. Who is a great one, by the way. Thank you. It was re- it's really nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for making it out. I know it was a, <laughs> a, a lot of tough conflicts. Well, I, But I like that because uh, we throw around the word uh, your forever home a lot. Yeah. And um, we live in a, in a, a split level. So I'm always saying, yeah, this is our forever home until we can't go up and down stairs to get to the bathroom. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it's hard to think of of stuff like this now. As opposed yeah, to but there's even stuff it. like elevators. You know, when <laughs> we used to think, well, I see your face. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's not just the Rockefellers and, you know, the, it, it's a, cool. they're very possible Indoor to put pool. in a pool. <laughs> well, now you're getting carried away. But an elevator is not something that's so far out of sure. reach. If you think about this, 
and that when I draw this comparison, the cost of moving, the cost of loading your stuff up, putting it in a truck and moving it, renting the truck or hiring mm-hmm. movers, whatever it might be, and then the realtor commission fees that you pay when you move homes and sell your home is about the same as the cost of putting an elevator in. So if you're thinking about moving out of your home because you can't get up the stairs any longer, there are options. you can consider looking at an elevator and actually putting one in your home and staying. Because what you just said, getting up and down the stairs, and sometimes people have this wonderful master suite, and they've got this great bathroom, and it's accessible and all these things, but shoot, I can't get up and down the stairs. It's so it's just like an oasis I'll never reach. But you could put an elevator in a home, and I've done a lot of elevators in homes, and they they change if their life changes. That would be a cool show episode just just on elevators. Maybe if you get your expert in. Now well, go ahead and send an email to uh, above grade at jsbrowncompany dot com and okay file your request. Uh, now are they like elevators you think of like at hotels or are they kind of the thing that you know the little chair that climbs up the stairs or are there different no, no, variations? No, 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 that's a chairlift. Okay, so an actual elevator is more along the lines of what you see in the hotel, but they're not commercial grade. Mm-hmm. So they don't smaller. have the inspections and all the crazy stuff that are going sure. on because the load capacity is higher in a commercial than it ever will be in, in a residential. Sure. In a residential, you, you might have a two to three person capacity would probably be most max in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, they're generally not very large. Some of them will be really finished out beautifully inside mm-hmm. with wood trim and lighting and all that stuff. They'll all have lighting. They'll all have trim. But you can certainly take the elevator to the next level in a residential setting. But many of them, you know, they just have a nice wood chamber with a nice rail on the inside. It's literally more the utilitarian purpose just of get me up and down in this house so sure. I can continue to use it. And and it works pretty well. The most challenging part of putting an elevator in a home is finding a path. That's what I was thinking to get on my path. split level. You know, so where we would building build it. it isn't mm-hmm. hard being able to locate where you could have access points, you know, your elevator stops on each floor that are stacked is tricky in an existing home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I usually find a way. So you get a, you get a good design company <laughs> like J.S. Right. Brown and you got yeah, it covered. Usually find a way. See, we, we sidetracked from the kitchen to I elevators. Like it. I like and, it. Uh, there's a lot of things with cabinetry and the accessibility. You know, I mentioned some of the things in refrigerators, but with pantries are the same. You know, the people used to like a walk-in pantry. You know, mm. you open a door and you walk into a room. Well, they're not the most practical things on the planet because they eat up so much space. And if you think about it, if you ever needed to get someone who has mobility issues in there into a pantry, it's not practical. And so a lot of what we're doing now is people want open space. They want to use space wisely. And you can do this with these large pantry cabinets that have slide out shelves. So all your canned goods and all that stuff slide on a shelf. You can look down on them as opposed to leaf through mm-hmm. a cabinet where you're scooting things out of the way and pulling things off the shelf. So pull out pantry storage, your trash bins as well. Oh yeah. You know, those having are, those in a cabinet is really nice to have those tucked and, away. And right now we're, we're working on it. We've got to find a space for our dog food and, and yeah. like the same idea, you know, we're, we'll pull it out in the drawer. Yep. Yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty small kitchen in our house, so I don't have the, that luxury mm-hmm. in ours. We needed it for storage. I sure. didn't want to use it up with a trash bin. So I've got the old trash under the sink. Kind just of thing just going like on. you did growing up. Just like I did growing up. You got it. And um, and then there oh drawers for pots and pans. This is one I love. Now I do have this in my kitchen. I absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah, we do too. I remember as a kid crawling around in ca- the cabinets or the cupboards, as my mom used to call them. 
And I used to open up a cupboard door and climb inside and find her wok or her pot or pan that was back in <laughs> or there. Or the, the thing under, underneath the stove and it was all yucky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There was just stuff thrown That's back funny. in there and you had to move everything out to get the pot you needed. And then you yes. put everything back and then you do it over after you wash the dishes. So, yes. you know, now That's you've got funny. the drawers and it sounds like you do too. Or you open the drawer and you just, you grab the one that's right there. The accessibility right. is, it's huge. It's one of those things that we don't think about as necessarily accessible or mm-hmm. improved, but it is. You know, people put so much, many things into their homes that, or their cars rather, for these car, creature comforts. And, and we overlook the home so many times. And you spend the majority thing. of your time in your home. You hope so. Yeah. And some of that is just uh, organization too. We, uh, we lived in our house for several months before we realized, why don't we put all the kids, we were talking about snacks, in this drawer. Yeah. And and now we have a, a, a lower drawer and cabinet where the kids could get their cups in there. And it just as a matter of thinking, well, why, why do we have them way up there? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. you're right. So, and those are just a lot of things in the, in the kitchen that are really important when you're planning is just look at all those little details, all those little pieces and parts that are really important to having a space that functions well for your family. But Ask that question, who are all the people in my family, the visitability question I referenced earlier, all those people that you might be having in your home and take them into consideration when you're designing. At least take them into consideration. You don't have to accommodate them, but if you take them into consideration, you really might end up with a better design all, all said and done. So that's Universal cool. Design Crash wow. Course number one. Man. Next week, we're going we're gonna to hit it again hard in the bathroom because the bathroom is the number one area in the home where most injuries occur. So we're going to talk about how to prevent those. And I'm going to ask you about the universal bidet. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll brush up on uh, my knowledge of the bidets. Okay. All right. I knew you were going to get a plug for that. So thank you, me, for being here. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks. It was great to be a guest on. I appreciate you having me in self. And uh, I'll see you again next week. We'll We'll do it all over again. And we get to do this every week. So... Uh, here on Above Grade, we've got great topics, we've got great guests, and I know we're just joking around today with me as the guest, but we uh, have a great topic um, that we're going to continue next week. I hope you join us for that. And if you haven't uh, tuned into all of our uh, Above Grade podcasts, be sure to do that. And you can go to jsbrowncompany.com on our website, you can go to iTunes, you can find Above Grade and search them and listen them to them, binge listen, do all that great and stuff. And while you're there at iTunes, uh, rate and review us, because that helps, ah, yeah. um, helps us out a lot. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, until next week, this is Bryce Jacob with J.S. Brown & Company wishing you a great week to build from. Above Grade is a Columbus Radio Group production and produced by me, Greg Hansberry.